Hi, this is Seth Mosley, and you're listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. Today we are coming to you with a live studio audience at the Music Makers Boot Camp. This is the first event that Full Circle Academy has done live, and to say it was a success was an understatement. Out of all the attendees that showed up, they ranked this event a 9.3 out of 10. In fact, some even said it was life-changing. What you're going to hear this week comes to us from our panel on writing music for film and TV. We have on the panel Tim Lauer, who you've heard on the show, who since he's been on the show has now been given the position of executive music producer for the ABC hit TV show Nashville. So you can only imagine that he has a wealth of insight on music for film and TV and the process that goes into that. We've also got Josh Silverberg, who's been a massively successful producer and songwriter. has had huge placements on T-Mobile, Fox, many, many more. And we also have publisher Chad Segura, who's speaking into the publishing side of the film and TV panel. Before we dive into the interview, I just wanted to share a quick message with you about the Music Production Mastery Course. Hi, I'm looking for the next big music producers I can add to our Grammy-winning team. And I've created a course to help you 10x your music productions instantly. Music Production Mastery. I show you how we do things like programming, drum, bass, and guitar production, getting pro vocals, editing, post-production, mixing, Logic Pro, and Pro Tools. Who can I help? One, music makers who are driven and passionate. Two, beginners and experts. You don't need tons of experience, but you at least have to be teachable. Three, you must be making great music or at least aspiring to. That's all. So why would I be giving away my secrets? Well, first, I love to teach. Secondly, I am actively looking for talent. Take a moment to enroll in the course and you'll be on your way to better sounding music productions right away. For information on the Music Production Mastery course, text PRODUCE, P-R-O-D-U-C-E, to 44222. Text PRODUCE to the numbers 44222. And let's jump to the panel live at the Music Makers Boot Camp. So, hey, this is Seth Mosley, and you're listening to the Full Circle Music Show. We are here at Music Makers Boot Camp with a live studio audience. I've known these guys, well, Tim and Chad were two of my first people I met when I ever moved to Nashville. Chad has been my publisher twice now, not twice in a row, but he was my publisher when I got my first deal, and then you come full circle several years later, he's my publisher again. Tim Lauer was one of my first studio session experiences. Producer Ian Esklin brought me down, and Tim was playing keys on the session, and Fast forward to today, Tim is the executive producer for this little TV show, for the music for this little TV show called Nashville. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of that show, but pretty good. Love it. Me too. Uh, Josh Silverberg has been a friend of mine for not too long. We're just getting to know each other. But I have been a big fan of his for longer than he realizes. But he is behind some of the biggest songs that you're singing in church, a lot of the Jesus culture stuff, God of Miracles. Had newsboys cuts, but has also had 
massive success on the film, TV, and advertising music side of things. So you're going to get a lot out of hearing from him. And then Chad Segura, publisher at Centricity Music. This guy's been a 20-year 20 20-year 20 industry veteran. He's been around this thing for a long time, knows the publishing world inside out, has been very successful as a publisher on the music, film, and TV side of things. So why don't we give them a warm welcome for being here with us. It's awesome. So I thought we'd keep this kind of informal today. We're just going to have a little bit of a conversation, and I'll, I'll try to moderate it a little bit, but we, throughout the weekend we've tried to have some pretty open Q&A with, with the audience, so we'll just, nothing too formal. But um, kind of my first question is, how is the film and TV side of producing and songwriting different from everything else? And whoever, whoever you guys can answer it whenever you... from songs to pitch. Well, let's just say, we've been talking a lot about writing songs with artists for their records. We've been talking yeah. about writing songs as an artist for your own record, writing songs for church, you know, all the different things that you can write songs well, for. Anytime you're writing a song that you want to get out there, you have an end end user in mind. You're writing... You're always writing to a brief. If you if you wanted to get past your your writing room, you're writing to a brief. If it's worship music, you know what sort of the boundaries are. And if it's for a particular genre on the radio, you you have an idea of what that looks like. So to a certain extent, you're writing for a brief. We were talking about writing to briefs. What's maybe different about music for film, television, advertising, first of all, I'd say is pace. We were talking about things that you get a brief and it's due, what's typical, 36 hours? That's typical. Um, uh, sometimes six. Sometimes I get, yeah. I get calls for, they still call them a library poll, like, what do you already have? And sometimes it'll be like 90 minutes, I'll put four things that I already had, added to music and put it in Dropbox. And there is a certain kind of, I think for writing for, for ads, I mean, you have to get it past agency or music house first. And, and it's not even the person watching TV that's your audience. It's the first audience is the person who's the gatekeeper to the agency. No, no listener left behind. What is a brief? A brief is just, here's what we're looking for. Uh, okay, here's a typical brief. And correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, we like the tempo of this song. We like the uh, whistling hook of that song. We like the drum sounds of this song. Um, it needs to be a love song, non-romantic, um, not too specific, and there needs to be space for voiceover. It needs to have an arc. It's a 30-second spot. At right when the guy jumps on the trampoline, it needs to totally clear out, and then when it, it goes to the girl jumping off the end of the dock, then it should explode, but then there's a six-second uh, voiceover at the end that's got to clear out, and here's the new mnemonic, the, their audio logo that needs to somehow appear in the thing. Go. Yeah. You have 12 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes a lot of stuff I do comes with, with video. And they'll give you music. Uh, their temp, which is sometimes is a really good way. Either it's temp, meaning that they just can't afford it or they can't use it or it was used too much already, or it's the front runner. It's what they like the most. And then you're just trying to beat it. They're in the final hours and you go, okay. And then sometimes I'll take a chance and try to do something like it, but a little different or better. Or sometimes I go, they have no idea. 
idea what they want. I'm going to do completely different. And hopefully they're so frustrated that they'll go that. And then they have to make a decision. And then the ad goes out. Because sometimes they'll say this ad is um, shipping in five days, which means that's when they send it to advertisers. So it's got to. You want to talk about a brief, anybody? Yeah, no, I think I mean, that I, I sums guess, it up. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess I will say that that's specifically for ads. Ads are very particular. I mean, it's like here's the thing, and they will often have the the spot already shot, and they'll send it to you with, like with something there. But yeah, yeah. So like end title, they'll <clears throat> they'll usually uh, so end title would be the closing credits of a of a movie. Um, and so if they're doing that, same same kind of thing. They they won't. Um, sometimes you'll get a clip. To, to you know, to, you'll see the actual footage, but other times it'll just be like, "Here, we love this feeling," and it'll be you know, and they'll they'll reference a couple different songs. Maybe they'll send you some some examples of them, but it's the same kind of thing um, where they'll tell you kind of what it needs to do. You know, this is a you know, this is a tender moment that then you know later everything explodes. Just so you know, I mean, it's like there's always has to be that. It's always you're ramping to this thing that just like goes to goes crazy, and you know, so so you've got that, you've got things that are in show. So in, in a show, you know, depending on the show, you kind of know, okay, this, you know, there'll be songs that um, need to not be dialogue killers. Dialogue killers are stuff that has just too much going on, too much, too many words, too many things, you know, so you have to have space in songs. It has to be a song that you can move up and down in the mix, if it's, especially if it's cutting across multiple scenes in a montage. So, you know, it, it really is. I mean, there's just, there's all kinds of different briefs when you're writing specifically for that. Um, we'll talk more though about you know you're not always writing for that for advertising you usually are you're you're targeting something you're trying to give them something unique that that fits for that but manifest was talking about it a little bit you know I mean there's there's everything there's TV there's film there's video games there's advertising there's all these different things and all of them kind of have unique things that they're looking for yeah the the one thing that I do want to emphasize this weekend is that we've talked a lot about finding your identity finding your niche as who you are as a songwriter. And for some of you guys, when you turn on the radio, maybe that style of music just isn't for you. Maybe you just don't like listening to the radio. We talk about this all the time, that in order to be really good at something, you actually really have to love it. And if you don't love what the radio is playing, you're probably not going to be great at producing songs for the radio. Yes. I, I, this is my term for that is contempt for the product. Yes. If, 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 there, if I have contempt for the product, there's only certain, I can play on it and really enjoy it. And trust me, I play on plenty of music I would never choose to listen to and have a lot of fun doing it. But the writing part is so pure and so much a part of me. It's a real soul sucker to write. So to your story, you know, very young in my early, to your statement, in my early 20s, I got a publishing deal at Sony writing country songs. Tried so hard. Man, I tried. I, I wasn't trying to be difficult. I was just trying to write stuff that they could get cut. I wasn't trying to be crazy or weird. And it was always crazy and weird to them. And it was always not commercial. And I just, I was trying. I wasn't trying to be difficult. And didn't really get anything cut. And got dropped. And then I got signed at BMG. Same thing. And it was always just a little too rock. It's a little too pop. It's a little too edgy. It's a little too sleepy. It's a little too arty. It's a little too personal. It's a little not specific enough. It's just too specific. I mean, I tried <laughs> so hard. And then my publisher and I said, and I said, I want to, I want out. I just, I'm, I'm, I've up to date in my quota. Quit sending. I had a monthly, monthly check. It wasn't a, you know, one time thing. And I said, quit sending me the thing. We're even. 
thank you. I love you. Appreciate the opportunity. And he said, no, I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to buy you a plane ticket. And I spent a week in London, a week in Stockholm, and a week in Berlin. And I came home and I started getting cuts. And my publisher said, don't do anything different. Don't do anything different. Same ammunition, different target. And that's the same thing with film and TV. I don't write ever a song to pitch to an artist. Ever. It's just not something I'm even interested in doing. Because it's just, I don't, I think I'm going to, it's not going to work. I'm not going to get a cut. But man, oh man, give me that brief. I'm all over it. And, yeah. and energized and confident and, and, and loving it. We need to mix a string quartet with super industrial electronica, but we want to write a folk song that, you know, that it's like we lifted something from Bill Monroe in the 40s from Kentucky, but it has to be a voice like Dido. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that's, you, got, you got the guy. You know, <laughs> but then it's something for country radio, and, and it's just, I'm, just not, I'm not your guy. Yeah. You know. So, Josh, I want to hear from you. Josh came from the artist world a little bit kind of similar story to what I had. Probably You probably had more success than I had as an artist. But, I mean, you went through the same thing. How did you kind of find yourself where you're at now? Where, I mean, how did you get into to, to figuring out that film and TV is something that you're good at, something that you actually love doing? Um, for me, I guess... It was very natural and kind of happenstance. Um, a buddy of mine introduced me to a friend who does TV film music, and we started working on music together. Um, and it was so natural and effortless, you know? So we created a project called Friends in Tokyo, and it's kind of like, if you've heard of American authors, it's that kind of style, just like kind of happy, fun, positive. Um, and it was just fun to do it in the room wasn't really thinking much of it. And then we did some more kind of like punk rock songs. And then like T-Mobile ended up using a bunch and, you know, the some of the American author sounding stuff, like a lot of different sports shows and whatever um, jumped on board. And, and I was similar stories you, like I would slave day in and day out with, with artists and turn stuff in and felt like, man, this is so hard. And I don't even really understand how to make Christian music and then this happens, and I'm like, this is so natural. It tied me to my band days, you know, just like, let's just have fun in a room and make something awesome, which is how Christian music is turning into, honestly. Like, I think there's an awareness, and I know this is a different subject, but it ties to the fact that you have to be true to who you are. Like, God's created us all individuals and to be unique and to also create uniquely and if you can find like what you love and what you're passionate about, like you will have not only the best time doing it, but I guarantee you your success lies in what you love. Yeah. You know, and um and when we talk about like TV film, like we're like there's so many uh, like promos, you know, there are advertisements for shows if you guys know what that is. Um like Cuz I pay 100 yeah. grand for like the White Witch promo. I mean, and every there's always shows like there's never ending amount of shows coming out, and they need songs for the promos. They need songs for in show, and then there's also something called yeah trailers, you know, and like advertising. So there's when we say TV and film music, 
It's so vast, you know what I mean? And there's so many great moods people want to capture. And maybe you're like, man, I just write, I just write these really sad songs and they're really slow. And then at the end, I like getting huge. I'm like, well, then why don't you try writing some trailer stuff? You know what I mean? Like find, listen to a whole bunch of trailers and start creating content that's like some of your favorite trailer music. Uh, yeah, that's that's perfect. One thing that I'll say, as a publisher, we're kind of doing we're doing both sides of things. We're working with our writers and producers to say, hey, we've got a brief in. When we get one that makes sense, we say, hey, you know, maybe take a shot at this, see what you can do. But a lot of times they're they're saying, hey, we need something now, and we're looking through the catalog. We're looking through things that our artists have already written and recorded, and trying to find things that fit that. Um, to to Josh's point about, you know, knowing, you know, paying attention to trailers or whatever thing you're going to target. I, I will say <clears throat> that, man, if, if I had a dollar for every time somebody told me whether they're my writer or an aspiring writer or somebody else's, hey, I've got a bunch of stuff that's filming TV, you know, it's totally sync stuff and whatever. It's like, um, so I will tell you, that means a lot of things to a lot of people. Um, to a lot of people, that means the throwaway songs that they, that didn't make sense on their album, which is ridiculous um that in other cases it's like hey i wrote a love song which is also ridiculous um because that's that's one of the things especially in the christian market i will say that happens all the time it used to happen to me years ago um when i one of my favorite things would be um i i won't i won't mention which uh, which label because it doesn't matter but um but when i was a publisher in a, in one of the large companies i remember the label we wouldn't be involved in the record process back in the day but they'd come to us and they'd say hey great, you know, here's the new record for so-and-so, and, -so, and uh, sync is a big priority for us. And uh, I'd listen to the record, and I'd be like, that's great. It would have been really cool for you to have actually talked with us about this, because they'll say, oh, no, we've got a love song on there. You know, there's a song he wrote for his wife. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do anything with that song. So, um, because for the most part, they have love songs. Guess what? There's a lot of them out there, um, and they've got access to the best ones, so they probably don't need ours. Two, they don't want, to the point that we were talking about earlier, they don't want the, the typical love song. They don't want stuff that's just on the nose, obvious kind of thing. They want that, you know, it is the funniest thing when they talk about, you know, non-romantic love songs or non-romantic, you know, f um, relationship songs that are non-romantic or any, you know, however they spin it, that's always like, oh my gosh, where, you know, where do you find that? And so it, writing for it is really specific. What these guys do, these guys are a killer at what they do because they know how to do it. And so whatever you do, you know, don't just kind of give your throw away or, hey, I've heard this and it kind of sounds like this and I'll do it. it there's an art form to it. Uh, I think in our market, the stuff that works the best, that I'll, uh, just to say from the Christian market, what we found was funny. I, I, I got this quote from uh, the heads of one of the major um, publishers out there, um, actually the, one of the major sync departments um, on the master side. And she said, man, I love what you guys do. You guys are so good at doing those vague aspirational songs, which is like, that. those are the ones that work. The ones that are and it, vague and like, it could be about anything else. Vague, because we love it. Because it's like, oh, sell, you know, this could be, this could, you know, sell you a Volvo or it could sell you laundry detergent. And either way you feel like, oh, this was made for this. Um, and then aspirational, that thing that causes you to go, ah, I just feel good. I aspire to this. What, what could this be? Those are the things, those are the things that win. 
Time after time, those are the songs that can work for everything across the board. And then these guys talked about it, the build. Build, man, when you write a song for that spot, yeah, there's a, there's a time to just have the melancholy song that just kind of wanders and meanders and does that. There are definitely places for those. Uh, but more often than not, you never know what piece of a song they're going to want. So you give them all these sections all the way through and you give them the instrumental breakdown and you give them the explode and, and you know, end their climax at the end. But you've got the kind of the... The, the chill beginning that, that is super ambient and whatever. And you can't make every song like that, but think about those things and pay close attention to the stuff that, that you love. Uh, so what I do is I, I try to, knowing like if they, if it's a 30 second spot or a 60 second spot or an 18 second use. So I'm very aware in the, in the track, you know, there's always the instrumental and then the vocal thing. And I'm very aware that my choruses are never the same. It's, it's always small, medium and large. And I even think about this in mix. It's very easy where they can cut right on the grid and they can say, if I want to do, if I only want to do a chorus, what if they want a chorus that starts here and goes here? You don't do that for the radio. It's just the chorus, right? But in a 30 second spot, you're going to, that's easy. 30 second spot. And guess what? Isn't it interesting that so many of my <laughs> compositions are in thirds? Because every spot, a 30 is a 10, 10, 10, a 60 is a 20, 20, 20. It's always in thirds. So even my tempos and my phrases, I'm very aware of thirds. So I can go, you got it. And I take the small, then I take the middle part of the medium, and I take the last part of the large. And now I have a chorus. And in 20 seconds, I've just made a chorus that builds. you know. And then I have the, the instrumental, and I'll make stems so I can very easily you know, find all that stuff. And, and even if I can't do it, I've got guys that have access to it where I can go, hey, I'm doing something else. Run over to my place or grab this off a Dropbox. And they kind of know the drill. But I wanted to say this. Who in here is interested in writing for this kind of stuff? Okay, so you're eventually... Who in here actually has people that they pitch it to? Okay, so you will eventually figure out one, two... You don't need that many, really. One, two, three, four, five people that you can actually pitch stuff to. If, you, if someone says, I have a bunch of songs for sync, that means you just have a bunch of songs. If someone says to me, hey, man, I've got some songs that would be perfect for Nashville, I want to say... Really? So you've read the script? You know? Right. You know what we're looking for? Oh, so you know what's happened with Scarlet and Gunner? Well, isn't that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you don't really have songs for Nashville. You want a song in Nashville, and I'd be happy to hear them. But if you send them to me, I have, I'm so busy that I'm not going to listen to them unless you tell me this is a song for this and this and this, and you just happen to lock into the fact that your thing lines up with the arc of the story. So it really, you start to realize how specific it can be. And you can say, man, I, this song would be a great Nike ad. Really? Because I've done Amazing Grace really slow on a piano with a bunch of reverb for Nike. I've also done a cover of Winter Wonderland for Nike. And sometimes they want, you know, pirate music. You know, so, so... What is pirate you, music? You know, big orchestral, you know, drums and and low brass and you know viking music yeah <laughs> pirate viking nfl music, music right so if you say i've got a son that would be great for nike what you mean is you should be working at you should be working in the music department of ad agency and have the nike account and they wanted what your idea was this is so off the grid you know yeah i love that and i i'm glad that chad chad hit on this tim just hit on this that it's not just something, and, it, and this doesn't just go for film and TV. 
This goes whether you want to become the next big worship writer or the next big country writer or the next big EDM DJ. You don't just happen into it. Unless, like Tim said, you just are the most lucky person and God shines a light on you and says this is how it's supposed to be. You don't just happen into it. It's about establishing relationship time after time of delivering to the same, even one, two, three people, like he said, and establishing yourself, making yourself there to serve. So you don't just happen into it, no matter what the genre is. I want to real quickly, I want to say something about the way you deliver. If somebody sends this, so now I'm in, I'm on both sides. I'm taking briefs, I'm writing for briefs. I also have guys who I work with and who work for me that are kind of doing this with me for me and I'm kind of managing the whole flow of the business side of it and I'm on and I'm with the show where people are pitching to me and I'm working with the music supervisor and and showrunners and directors for for the material so I'm kind of looking at it from all angles if somebody pitches me a song and I love it and I can't figure out who it came from it can't be licensed because we don't know whose it is so if I see a song that says today's a great day and it's the perfect song, but I can't look, I can't apple eye and say who it is and who their contact is for that, it just can't get used. Yeah. Metadata, is Met- metadata is the key. Also, the quickest way to never have your songs listened to is to pitch too much too often. You know, hey man, sometimes we'll say, hey, I need something for this spot. I need it. It's it's a huge spot. It's paying tons of money. I think you probably have a ton of stuff that would work for this. Check it out. And they play me the thing. And if I don't have something that I know follows that brief, I will say, man, I wish I could help you. Don't have anything. Because I tell you what, I'm not going to waste their time out of my desperation giving them stuff that isn't right. Mm. That's good. Well, you've heard enough of my questions. Who has any questions for our beautiful Stunning panelists today. Okay, Tyson, come on up here, man. I think my biggest curiosity in terms of um, pace and uh, working on a show like Nashville, could you give us an insight on your setup and how you manage sounds, um, libraries, working with uh, other writers and composers and making sure that you keep all of that stuff harnessed in terms of your workflow, backing up, stuff like that? So you're talking over and above just... um just songs, but yeah, okay, yeah. So for songs, there's Frankie Pine is the music supervisor. We have a shared Dropbox, and so we'll have each episode, you know. So five hundred one, five hundred two, season five, episode one, five hundred one, and then each song need, and there'll be a folder for each song for for the episode, and then we put songs in that Dropbox and narrow it down from there. So we can always and we can say, yeah, we'll take that one out of there, and I added one, and that's songs, and then um, then there's a meeting a concept meeting where they say how is this going to appear so maybe maybe the somebody's going to be playing an acoustic guitar and so we got okay so it's going to appear this way which guitar is she going to use and is it going to be pre-record or live and how is she going to sing it and then does it appear again and who sings with her so we have to kind of plan out the way it looks and if it's pre-record and then every song goes to iTunes and then so there's an iTunes version of it also and then for file management, it's everything sort of has to be um, able to be made to sound very natural. 
you know, if it's a house concert or thing in in a arena or a, or a club or whatever, you have to sort of be aware of like the space that stuff lives in, and not have things so uh, uh, aggressively engineered that you can't adjust to that. And then um, there's all sorts of things that have to be stems for the for the band guys that have to fake it for the show. So they each they each have to have their part so they can learn that. And then the onset guy needs to have stems so he can put the the playback in in an actor's ear and adjust their level of themselves. And so there's a ton of versions and a ton of stems that have to be made. And it's it's just kind of organizing it and labeling it clearly. And so what I'm hearing from you is um, make sure you have a damn good team, lots of assistance, and a real scope of the overall picture of the job. You know, I just I just was looking for a guy to be you are file management. And one of the questions is do you alphabetize your sock drawer? <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> it's like is 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 your house always orderly? You know, do people tease you that your CDs if you still own CDs are alphabetical, you know? Do people do people tease you for being OCD? Oh yeah, man. I said, okay, great. That's the first question. If if no, not really, then you're just not wired. You might want the job, right? And so I my thing is I love having things organized, but I'm not good at doing it. So I like to get people around me who are really good at doing it. But yes, you're right. Organization, labeling, consistency. I have a I've told Seth uh, about my system for what I call retreads. When when you reuse something you've done, I don't know if you do this, but I I'll tag stuff, you know, um, cello, male vocal, hand clap, whatever, so I can search for something and it'll lead me to all the sessions and I have all the versions and it's pretty tedious, but it it helps if you want to get something done quickly. And you, you certainly, when there is pace, you can't screw up. It's no. a great question. Does anybody? Josh or Chad, have anything to speak to that? Yeah. Great, great. Who else got a question? I would like to ask Josh, uh, what's his take on what Tim shared about his workflow, about the 30-second, the 60-second? Uh, is that how you relate to your workflow, too? So when you say workflow, I'm guessing you mean, like, um, you're not talking about how I record, but how I frame a song, start to finish, I think it's so important, and this is what I've learned doing it, is um, you do need different sections, not a song. Because in pop music, you can have one drum beat and a synth bass, and that could be it, like literally. You know what I mean? And it doesn't really build. Maybe the chorus adds a tambourine, you know? Like, And I love minimal pop music. Like, that's my favorite. Um, but when you're writing uh, for a TV film, it's important that they have sections to choose from and they can build it how they want. So like every chorus, something new. And honestly, that makes great production because it keeps the listener listening. And when I started writing TV film, my production um, got way better because I was like, oh, well, that makes it very useful. And then I started incorporating that to my um, band and artist productions, and all of a sudden it got a lot better. So yeah, like having things build and the end everything explodes everyone most people want the end to explode so when you're when you feel like you've put enough in there try to fit two more things in there and i can't believe i'm saying that cuz i hate it but like see if you can get it to explode <laughs> high and low so like there's stuff but then there's range high and low 
meaning like make sure like the highest thing, the highest synth pad, whatever uh, string line comes in at the end and the deepest thing. You know what I mean? Like, so it, it gains width and depth at the same time. Yeah. It's a great question. Who else? Yeah. I have a question for Chad. Um, as a publisher for Centricity, um, how often are your artists' songs placed in television and how involved are they in that process? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it, the, it's, the answer is it's growing. Um, it, it's uh, not historically, ha they haven't had a ton. I've been there a little over a year now. And that's one of the things, that's one of our goals is to kind of grow that side of things. Seth knows that. Seth's having some great stuff happening right now. As far as when it's, you know, when it's a finished song, you're usually not that involved as an artist. That's usually something, whether it's coming into us directly or if it's, it's coming into, you know, somebody else, whether it's another publisher or the label, then it, it's usually just a request that, that's coming in or that we're, or they're looking for something, you know, we don't get a brief necessarily, but it's, it's something where, Hey, we need something to fill this spot. We need something that does this. We're obviously going to look at the things that we've got in that space. Now, sometimes we do reach out to artists and producers and ask them, Hey, you know, we're working on this right now. Can you think of anything? Is there anything in your catalog that you think would be perfect for this? But it really is just kind of a case by case basis, and and it's something, uh, you know, that's that's growing and and you know something that we need more of in our space, and so we're we're trying to aggressively go after um, writers and producers that can create those kind of things, as well as we're going to do some things with our artists, um, specifically even just some side projects. Years ago, when I was at a, another place, I had a writer that was phenomenal, but he, he could write for other things. It was, it was interesting. He was getting cuts. He wasn't necessarily getting the big hits, but he was getting some good cuts. But he had a killer voice, and he did something very unique. And so we started creating um, EPs on him out of uh, publishing. And that ended up being extremely yeah, um, profitable for us and also just a great way to just get songs out there and generate revenue, recoup deals, and um, and make money for the company and the artist. So there, there's a lot of ways you can do it. Does that answer? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. This can go to any one of you, but what's your biggest frustration? And then a second follow-up question, what would you say to your younger self um, to encourage yourself or just to streamline getting into what you really love and what God's called you to do? <laughs> my my biggest yeah. frustration is crappy drivers, um, but uh, oh, but but in regard to yeah, in regard to uh, this man, I, I will say for for myself, and then I'll pass it to these guys. But uh, um, I, you know, it's frustrating just the industry and how it's changed. How the, the, there are great things that come with it, but it is frustrating how hard you have to work to to make things work now. Does that mean am I a you know doom and gloom guy? No. There's there's amazing ways to make revenue. You just have to work harder um, and smarter. Uh, it's one of those weird things where you really do. You have to go after a lot of different things. You have to find these niches, find things that that work. So it's it's kind of frustrating. I think my biggest frustration is anytime I find myself falling back into old habits of going, hey, why isn't this working? And it's like, oh, that's right, because that doesn't work anymore. So, Anna. I touched briefly upon like finding the things that you really love and chasing that because I mean when you when you're selling a product like music you're selling an emotion and people can really sniff out if it's genuine or not um, even music supervisors hopefully and um, so when it hits them and it feels authentic 
you know they're going to be like, man, this guy really means what he's what he's saying, or at least it sounds like he means what he's saying, or writing. So like when I would pursue the things that you love and trust that God has um, designed us all uniquely for a reason. You know what I mean? Like there's not a detail the Bible says not a hair out of place. Like he doesn't know about like, and it's not just a man, I just know about you. It's like, I purposefully made you this way. So you're going to find that greatest sense of creation out of what He's calling you to do. So it's not like a mystery. And then if you want to know what God calls us to do, it's just too. It's always like, it's so much bigger than music. Like, honestly, you know, like get when, when you're in a writing room with someone, don't think about the song. I've found my greatest success when I'm like, I just care about the person in the room. What is your need today? And then the song is like an overflow of that. You know, so it's like we have our views on the end goal, but really it's just to love Christ and to love like Him. Um, and if you don't love yourself, this is another thing I'm saying, you're not going to be able to love someone else because the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. So it's recognizing I am unique and I'm not— I'm not going to fight against that. I'm going to learn and become a, the best songwriter I can, the best producer, the best mixer. But I'm going to say, God, I value your creation, which is myself. And I'm going to love everyone around me the way that you love me. So I hope that helps. So I'd, I'd say my biggest frustration is probably that this whole thing is not a meritocracy. It's like people say, man, you know, you deserve it. No, well, that's not how I know. No. Or so-and-so deserves it. No. Or, man, cream always rises to the top. Absolutely not. Man, the best song wins. Nope. <laughs> you know, you know as, as long as you, you got talent and you stick in there hard enough, it'll happen for you. Nope. 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 You, man, if you work hard enough, you can be anything you want to be. Nope. I never tell my kids that. It's just not true. It's, it's false information. So it's frustrating to me that it's not a meritocracy. It, the cream doesn't rise to the it, Very seldom does the best the best thing went and that's usually because we're just we're just fallen messed up people and there's a lot of ego and there's a lot of politics a lot of greed and a lot of selfishness and i've at my my old age i've sort of gone over the hump of resentment and i can follow that arc in my life of really dealing with anger and resentment just frustration that i might have called righteous anger but it was just my own selfish anger you know but i'm over that hump where i just go this is how it is and I work within, the system is broken, everybody. And I work within it, and cheerfully, and I enjoy it, and I'm glad to be part of it. Um, what was the biggest frustration? And tell my younger self, I think, um, and I, I don't want this to sound sort of like, like new agey, but listening to my gut, which I think would be the authentic self that God made me, to when others say, man, you know what I think you should do? You know what you need to be doing? You need to be coming here, every come to the office every morning, nine o'clock, have coffee with these guys. You know, all this stuff that people, you need to be playing out. You need to be doing gigs. You need to be, you need to be listening to the radio. All the stuff that people told me I needed to do. And some of it I tried, some of it worked, some of it didn't. But again, the older I get, the more I can just stop and say, okay, just deep down. And this is, a, I think it's a form of praying because you're being connected with who God made you. Deep down, does this feel right? Does this, what? and if I go, man, that just feels like a big pain in the butt that's not going to go anywhere, even though that person's a big deal to somebody. And you just kind of say, man, thanks, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for thinking of me. I'm not able to do it this time. And you just 
you just cheerfully move on and, and, and just kind of chill out. That's all I would tell my younger self, to just listen to your, listen, slow down. You can't listen if you're talking. Good. It's really good. Yeah. So is, has there ever been a time or has, is there any room for in writing for film and TV where you have someone has a song that they're pitching and the music is great? but the lyrics are bad. You guys are like, well, we could use the music, but the lyrics have to go. Like, has that ever been a time or is there a room or space for that in that particular industry? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a couple of things. One, one thing that I would say to that would be probably worth maybe trying to get the right lyric and get the right, get the right vocal on it. The, the biggest trick with instrumental, and you guys can speak to this though, from, from your side, but for me, just working with instrumental clips or, or even full songs, uh, you're competing with uh, libraries at that point in time, in, in my mind, at least. Your uh, production houses where they just they give people blanket licenses and they can go in and for cheap, you know, use a whole bunch of music. And so for me, that just just in the kinds of things that I get asked for now, it may, may be better for those guys, but, but for me, it isn't terribly uh, helpful to just have an instrumental track. Now, that said... There are plenty of times when, over the years where somebody will take, they'll love a song and, and they'll, they always ask for the instrumental. They always want instrumental, often TV tracks, which would have the background vocals and those things as well. And, and plenty of times in shows, all they'll use is the instrumental, but they want to hear the, their whole song usually, at least in my experience. I actually, to brief, I do more instrumental than not instrumental. And he's right about the library stuff. And it's cheaper and it's huge. But my kind of thing is if they say, yeah, this is the piece, they understand they can do endless revisions. You know, I, I was closing out an ad one time and I looked and it was vis uh, version 54. So I'm not kidding. So I had had 54, 54 revisions. Yeah. Way to stick in there. Yeah. But, you know, but, Bart, but he said, way to stick in there. But, but, I, but I made that decision that, I'm really glad to do this. If, if I spent the next five months working on it, it would still be what I usually make per month. And so I said, I want the relationship with this music house, this agency, this client. And so I just, I just did it. I think that the lyric thing, it, it depends. If, you, if it's like an artist thing and they want a lyric change, well, do you have the mix? Does the mix live in, in your computer? Did you get Sean Moffat to mix it? And can he pull it up? And how much is a revision? And where does this artist live? And are they traveling? And they're going to come in and sing it? And can we match the vocal? And, you know, usually if, if a supervisor doesn't like the lyric, you know, I was listening to songs for Nashville on the way out here. There were a couple, two lines in. It's maybe a great song, but I already know that second word of the second line means that it's not going to work. And so I'm not going to go back to him and say, can you change this a little bit? Probably. I'll probably just keep looking. This is specifically for Tim. Uh, how do you, how does somebody play songs for you? Or for, is it, is it punky file? Or? I just like MP3s on an email where it's, it's easily searchable in the, in the subject line. Then I know what it's for. The more information in the subject line, the easier it is for me to find it later. An MP3 is great. And no, I, we're not giving out Tim Lauer's email right here. So. MP3 is Sorry. great because I can um, save it immediately and I can forward it on. It's better than a WAV file because it's smaller. And uh, the MP3 should have the metadata on it so I can track 
track you back down. Writer's name in contact for who to license it from. But MP3s, yeah. And do you generally receive songs from industry professionals, like like publishers or? Okay. The answer was yes. <laughs> he said anybody yes, though. Yes, and everywhere. All right, this question is specifically for Tim and Josh. Um, if you had one tip to give the rest of us who are interested in getting into this industry, looking back as when you got started, what would be that one tip um, that you would give to someone looking to get into this? When you hear a song that you love in an ad, look up the artist and study it. Why did that work? This I love this. I already love the song, right? You already know you love it. So... Buy it on iTunes. Take example of the lyric. You know, it, did it work because of that? You know, what did they use in the spot? And then you find yourself creating, you know, based out of stuff that you love and that has already actually worked. Rest hasn't. My tip is just to make a commitment to it. In, in my, you know, sort of my musical life, when I was touring and I knew I wanted to play in the studio, I knew that I had to commit to it. I had to find a way to just be home. And when I was just home, then I started to get session work. And when I was writing for BMG and I couldn't get country cuts and I said, oh, I really like the European market, I committed to it, which was, I was in Europe 10 days a month for several years, which is really committing. And and then when um, I decided to, to really focus the writing on, on, on the music that involves picture, you know, I have sat with the TV on at my studio and I mute it during the show and then I tr and then I listen to it during the ads and I've had you know I've done this like I'll get a legal pad and I'll just write down the ad and write and I'll just write something like you know the uh, girl voice and guitar um lyric that's not specific to the product or you know hand claps and ukulele again you know or whatever <laughs> you know and then you start, but when you start to do that, you go, okay, so 5.30 news, you know, medications, there's a lot of acoustic guitar strumming that's still cool. And you start to understand orange juice and then, okay, that's different from, you know, car. And then you go, man, the car thing, I don't know if I'm that kind of programming and that's, sounds really expensive. So I won't maybe take the car grief brief, but I've noticed that, that the restaurants, you know, like firm bar restaurants, it's like this sort of bluesy you know rock blues kind of stuff and you start to really so become so first is commit and then be a student know what you're talking about know what you're dealing with hey guys thanks for the good information so far i just had a question about um websites like musicbed.com and, and those kind of sites i don't know if you're, if you're familiar with that but are they used a lot um do you guys ever go to the sites like that or do, do film and tv uh, producers go to those sites yeah, um, Music Bed is a, it's a micro licensing uh, site, and so yeah, it's it's used mostly for uh, at least originally. the The main use of it is for like websites and other things. When people can go there and they know it's a you know one stop shop for them, they know the set price that they can pay to use it. It's small amounts, hence the micro um, piece of it. Um, but it's it's all about um, getting a lot. Hopefully you get a lot and it adds up to some significant money. I know multiple artists and writers that make a good amount of money every month uh, from those things. I know that they've branched out a bit and they do have music supervision that they're, you know, there's at least that facet or they want the ability to be able to do that. Um, I, thus far, to my knowledge, and I, I could be wrong, may, maybe they've uh, really amped that up, but most of those sites like that 
are, aren't really connecting a lot with like major studio things, at least to, at least to my knowledge. But it is it is a way to make money, and it is sync. You know, what I mean, it's it's a way to to generate some significant revenue. Well, I got time for one, maybe two more questions. This question, I guess, is for Josh. Um, when you get something placed with an ad or something like that. Is it really cool to see that happen? Like, do you go watch the ad live, and um, do you like? Is that a cool thing to actually see, or does it happen so much that you just kind of, oh, there's another placement? And um, I mean, does it phase you in a cool way, or is it just kind of old hat at this point? It's awesome every single time. It's just so awesome, and I think you should celebrate every victory, no matter how big or small. You know, if it's a small placement and it doesn't pay very much, you should treat it like it's a million-dollar placement. Not that I've had that, um, or that really exists. And I've had several big-placing songs that have provided for my family, and it's amazing, and I love it. And the thing about TV film that we haven't touched about, or like ad songs and stuff, is direct-to-market. You know what I mean? Like you don't, like you go straight, like I'm creating these, pseudo bands you call them paper bands or whatever where i'm create an artist persona and i get with another songwriter or a singer or whatever and we you know, we kind of go down this road where we create this product brand name and some of the biggest bands out today have been that like imagine dragons all for tv film um american authors same thing you know like so love it or hate it these guys were created for the purpose of hitting TV film, you know what I mean? Ex-ambassadors, I can go on and on and on, and the songs are awesome. You can tell that they love what they're doing. Um, it's just geared towards a certain end goal. And you could do that too. There's like nothing stopping you guys. You know what's frustrating to me is seeing, I see so many ads that I didn't get. Because working on what we do, we don't get almost everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like... You always assume I'm not getting this. And then if I get it, it's like, this is a miracle. But, you know, I can watch television. Go, eh, didn't get that. Didn't get and my kids live and go, Dad, your Toyota commercial's on. And I'll come in and go, no, that's the other guy's music. You saw this picture at my studio. That's not daddy's music. <laughs> you know? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's give a huge round of applause for our guest of panelists. Thank them one more time. This is awesome. Chad. Josh and Tim. Hi, this is Seth Mosley, and you've been listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. Big thanks to all of the attendees who starred in this show. We had a blast at the Music Makers Boot Camp. You're not going to want to miss the next one. You can find out more info and get signed up on the wait list. Tickets go fast for these things. You can get signed up on the wait list for the next one at fullcirclegoeslive.com. That's fullcirclegoeslive.com. This show is produced by the Full Circle Music Company with editing help from Jericho Scroggins, Kaylee Ingram, and Asa Wiggins. Head over to iTunes, leave us a good rating and review, and we'll see you next week.